Well, hello, I'm Charles Dagnall, and welcome to the third episode of Jeffrey Boycott's Corridor of Certainty, brought to you by Gospel Productions. I'm Charles Dagnall, and on the other end, you're not with me today. It's been two weeks, Jeffrey. It seemed like a fortnight. Good afternoon to you. Yeah, I've been enjoying myself, really. We um, we went to the palace. You went to the palace? What, the theatre? No, I went to the Buckingham Palace. <laughs> I went to see the Queen, but unfortunately she's uh, she's done her stint. She's 90-odd now, and Prince Charles did the investiture for me on Valentine's Day, so that was really nice. Just just explain to those. Obviously, you were knighted, um, and so so what, what is the process, Geoffrey? What, what, what happens? Do you get a letter Well, you need to be there or? early. You need to be there by 10 o'clock, and then they check under your car and everything, the security, naturally. What could everywhere you have nowadays. under your car? Uh, then you go in and uh, my wife Rachel Emma and her husband Jeff uh, went as guests and they're sort of ushered into one part of the palace you go into another room as a recipient and uh, there's no alcohol or anything there wasn't even any tea and coffee there was sort of a soft drink or two and water and then the the top man comes in and shows you what's going to happen now you're going to go up to meet Prince Charles about 75 people were getting honours of some kind. Okay. There were about four, I think, only of knights. I was the second one after a gentleman who'd come from Barbados. He, he's a, a barrister there on human rights. And also after me was a gentleman from Oxford who was a professor who'd been working, I think, on DNA. So, so you're an exalted company, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. They were, Did you have much to talk about with those guys? Yeah, we chatted a lot. And fortunately, they all like cricket. I mean, who doesn't? In, in West Indies, yeah, true. they're passionate and have been brilliant at it so many truly great players and the guy from Oxford is very nice I mean Oxford is famous for years ago producing lots of fine England cricketers yeah. uh, Peter May Colin Cowdery were two of the best uh, and so we chatted now they show you what to do and then you go in and Prince Charles does it because it took about an hour and a quarter for everybody and he found time to talk to everybody he really did I watched him because after you finished and he's he knelt down and had the sword on the shoulder and he chats to everybody and he was brilliant with me. He was, he, he was so supportive. About? I'm not going to tell you, oh, but okay. he was very supportive <laughs> of my knighthood. Uh, I don't want to cause him any embarrassment, so maybe at some time in years to come, I'll maybe say something. But at the moment, and he was really good. What, was, what, was, that feeling? what was that feeling of having the sword placed on the shoulders? That, that must be properly special. Well, it was. Just wonder if he's going to cut your head off after each shoulder. <laughs> You've been see a naughty boy. Off with his head. See if his hand's shaking or not whilst he's whilst he's doing it. Just so, nick a knee or something like that. And it was nice. I mean, after you you've been and done that and got the medal and the ribbon around your your, your neck, you you go out and then you sit at the back behind all the people or guests, like my wife, my daughter, Jeff, and everybody had two or three or four people as guests. And really nice watching everybody else. But I was really impressed how it took time and real attention and care to speak to everybody really, really nicely. I think the last lady who came on, I saw her running. I don't know why she was seemed a bit late, but it was a lady running and apparently announced what you've got your honour for. And she had got a posthumous medal, if I've got the word right, yeah, for a husband. Yeah. They'd been on holiday, I think it was in Canada, and there'd been a rock fall. And he'd protected and shielded her, saved her life, and he lost his own life. 
Wow. Wow. He went, what an ending to about 75 people. That was wow. There must and have been think, some some really stunning feats of endeavor and, and, and lives mm. and, and stories that were told in, in, in that room for, on that particular day. Ooh. I love the palace. I mean, you're not allowed to take photographs, but some of the paintings and everything, all in gilt or gold, or call it what you want, but it's lovely. So then you have a few private photographs afterwards in the rectangle. Then we went back and celebrated for lunch. We went to pick up my daughter and son-in-law's baby, Joshua, Picked him up, he'd had a, somebody looking after him that morning, a babysitter, so we brought him down for lunch and had lunch together. And then I think the nicest part of the whole thing, well, everything is nice, is next morning, after he woke up and we woke up, my daughter brought him into our room and she gave him to us. And we had an hour with Joshua, sat on sat in bed with us, sat up, playing, and he... I actually fed him for the first time. She gave really? him his milk and I fed him. So that was a bit... <laughs> she said, do you want to feed him, Daddy? I said, mm, I'm not sure I know how. She said, here, I'll tell you and what have you. And amazing, his legs never stopped moving. Rachel says he's got Wayne Rooney legs. <laughs> 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 he, he just smiles, he looks around, he never cries. I, it's amazing. He, he blows raspberries. He just sort of lets anybody pick him up. Uh, yeah, just the girls in the hotel who I've known a long time stay at the same hotel. They pick him up, hold him in their arms, and he's very content. No crying. He's amazingly a good, contented baby. That was nice part of the whole experience of traveling down, going to the palace, Prince Charles being nice, getting knighted, and then I fed my grandchild well this this could add to your list of domesticity <laughs> or, or your progression as, as as a regular human being we've gone through making your own dinners loading the dishwasher you're putting the bins out as well and <laughs> now know. you're feel, uh, feeding your grandchild did he throw up on you no he was lovely he, <laughs> he really is you've I got mean, that to come Nearly every pair, a grandparent probably thinks that, you know, <laughs> grandchild is wonderful. But what I'm amazed at, he, he doesn't cry. He just looks around, smiles, chuckles. Sometimes he laughs, sometimes he talks in that... Are you sure he's your grandson, Jeffrey? Well, if he smiles and chats and laughs. And yeah, yeah, I said he takes after me. My wife said, no, he doesn't. He takes after his father, who's got a really nice nature. He's called Jeff with a J. Because I said, not, not my daughter. No, she's like you. Crikey, O'Reilly. Oh, by the way, did, said, you have right. to, did you have to buy uh, all the girls, you know, new hats and frocks and all of that? Yeah, for the trip well, to... certainly my wife had a new outfit, definitely. Oh, yeah, she wouldn't I miss don't. out on that. No, it's lovely. No, it's really nice. That is that is quite the Valentine's Day date, isn't it? What if you're nice. go, if, you, yeah, if, you, if you're going to go and take someone anywhere on Valentine's Day, Buckingham Palace is is you're leaving a lot for the rest of us to try and live up to on that. Well, I might not live up to it again. <laughs> <laughs> I might not be able to make anything better than that. But it was really nice. Just just a nice occasion. We all enjoyed it. Baby was fantastic. He was the star of the show. And so, um, first thing I did when we came back to the hotel. He take me medal. It has a MCC colour ribbon, red and yellow. Oh, really? Was Did that you know the bake? Your bacon and eggs, as we call it, the red and yellow, with a big ribbon and a small ribbon, and I put it round his neck, and we had a picture of him. Oh, nice, him. fantastic! And I said, right, when I go, it's Joshua's. 
Well, that's absolutely fantastic. That Well, good on you. Congratulations. I hope you Thank all you. had a, a really fantastic day. It does sound like uh, you it did as nice. well. So, uh, so a real right, family the occasion. Cricket. That's enough for me. Well, I've had a great week. Uh, thanks for asking. Um, <laughs> so, no, I wasn't bothered. No, I know, I knew, I knew you weren't, but I'm going to say it anyway. By the way, uh, by the way, we have still yet to get a sponsor. How we are not sponsored after episode one by Marks and Spencers and their ready meal range, I have no idea. Uh, so, Brilliant. the I, I genuinely believe that the boycott ready meal uh, range should be coming out on on Marks and Spencers sometime soon. But any, any we will. We, we We'll come to that in due course. I think both of us would like to say that we like all major airlines, especially their business class sections. Um, my week, uh, interestingly, talk about being your sort of, sort of grandfather. I had an interesting fatherly week this week. My daughter turned 10. She turned uh -huh. 10, and even though she's lovely and delicious, and she really is, she's a good kid, she had 10 of her friends over to my ex-missus place for a sleepover party. A sleepover Ooh. party with 10 girls, which I managed to escape at around about eight o'clock, leaving them to watch a film. And then and then I reappeared the next morning and the place was an absolute chaos. So I was very pleased to miss out on the, uh, you know, while they were all having their dinner and all of that, that was absolutely fine. But what I was going to ask you is, as a father of a daughter, what do I have to look forward to over my next 10 years? They'll tell you off. Really? Definitely. Yeah. Modern day girls are not shy anymore. They're all spunky. They, they're with it. And I remember Rachel said to me many years ago, she said, listen, Emma won't think of you as that great cricketer. To her, you're just a father. Simple. And she'll tell you off. She'll say things straight out. And I think it's great. I think it is in the modern era. We talk about equality, but it's, it's better than that. You want them to be their own people. I mean, I wanted my daughter to be a real girly girl, and she is, but she's spunky as well. She's, she's her own person. And, I mean, she has a wedding dress shop in Mattlesfield with three stories, ground and two other floors, and she runs it. It's hers. She's, she's bright. She's got a baby. She's got a husband. She's got a house to run. That's what girls do all over the so country. So basically, that's what, they do. that's what I've got to basically look yeah, forward to is a load of back, uh, load of back chat. They'll give you some hokey-pokey, for sure. <laughs> oh, good. Let's get on to the cricket then, uh, Sir Geoffrey. Um, and basically, since we last saw, saw each other, uh, England have finished the T20 Internationals yeah. against mm. South Africa. They won it by two matches to one. Big, big runs scored uh, in these ones. Uh, batting friendly conditions at altitude, decent pitches, uh, and England winning the... Um, oh, well, South Africa won the first one, a tight one. How they won that one, goodness only knows, by a run. And then England won by two runs. England won by five wickets in the final uh, T20 International. What was your overview, Geoffrey? Uh, two or three things really that stuck out for me I think the main one was seeing Josh Butler open the innings um, it's quite clear that Ed Smith the chairman of selectors is quite besotted with Butler who is a very fine talented one day cricketer mm -hmm. he hasn't totally convinced us all in test matches yet hasn't been bad but he hasn't you know he's a bit to do yet I like the fact that Ed came out and tweeted that it was his decision to put Josh in first, and he did it after Josh's performances opening the batting in the IPL. Yeah. 
Although I did see one or two things on Twitter, the IPL is not quite as strong as, though it's a good competition, it's not quite as strong as international cricket, really. You know, there is some ordinary cricketers. Each team must have so many sort of Indian club players, don't they? So it's not as strong as international cricket. But I liked the fact that Ed as chairman fronted up and said it was his decision. didn't pass it on to anybody yep. else. Yep. I like that. Yeah, me too. It's up to him, right or wrong, to make decisions. He's got to study people, study situations. And I like the fact the chairman, whoever he is, should make his decisions. Might not be my idea, might not be yours, it might not be everybody listening. But he has to front up, he is in charge, and can and should make decisions that he believes. If I was talking to him, which I don't know, I used to work on BBC Radio with him, I like Ed a lot. But I would have said, Ed, I know you like Butler, we know he's a fine talent, but you don't seem to be given much thought to what your decision or the demotion of David Bairstow's son Johnny has done to Johnny. Johnny has been highly successful opening the unions. And I don't think he seems to have looked at that. I mean, Bairstow's been so successful opening the unions that he's been rewarded with demotion to number three. That's how you could look at it. I mean, I always believed that if it's not broken, don't try to fix it. Yeah. And Roy and Bester were being so brilliant, slightly different, but brilliant, not good, absolutely fantastic. And Josh could have been promoted to number three quite easily. But Ed has a soft spot for Josh, that's quite obviously. Who doesn't? You like his cricket in one day. He's so talented in the short form, so he will do well opening innings or at number three. I don't think it makes much difference because he is talented. But I just thought... What would that difference make to Johnny? It, from, well, it, in, in a similar aspect, Jeffrey. Well, he seems to be. I'm looking at the object. I've spoken to Johnny for, hmm, God, I can't even remember the last time I did. I used to when Rachel and I helped his mum bring him up when his dad unfortunately died, but I hardly ever see him. But I just standing back and looking at it, I think Johnny Bester is always the one shunted around in the batting order, whether it's Test cricket, and he's batted in so many positions in that, hasn't he? Mm hmm. Yet he's got six test centuries, and he, he always gets shoved around. And I don't know, I haven't spoken to him, but I always think, yes, you should be looking for a, a way to always make a team better, football, cricket, whatever it is. But also give a thought for the people who you're pushing out as well as the people you're promoting. It's an interesting one, Jeffrey, because, of mm. course, there is a T20 World Cup coming up in uh, the back end of the Greek season, October, November time in Australia. Mm. Now, also, I go back to when I was playing. I know it's 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 not a huge amount of time ago, but but I remember Brad Hodge. When, when was he that? Was, 1066. Thank you very much. Uh, but <laughs> usually they were my figures. Um, but but I, I go back to what Brad Hodge said right at the you know, who was our captain at Leicester show. You want your best players facing, you've only got 120 balls in T20 Correct. cricket. Correct, I you, agree on that. Well, and you want your it. best players playing that. Now, is there a school of thought that, number one, you've got, you know, in, in when you look at the IPL, Johnny Bairstow's record for Sunrisers Hyderabad was amazing uh, uh, last time out. As, you know, Joss Butler opening when he did for Mumbai and then for But it Rajasthan. wasn't better than Bairstow's. No truth. in IPL, he opened with David Warner and the best record in the whole IPL. Yeah. 
Yeah, oh, absolutely, and I couldn't agree with you more. Is it? Is it? A, it's a. It's a nice problem to have when you've got such good players who are vying for places at the top of the order. But is it worth taking a look in these games that are built up? We're going to see plenty of T Twenty internationals over the course of the summer as well. Is it worth just taking a look and seeing what works and what doesn't ahead of a big well, international tournament? It will work. The difference is it will work because Butler is such a talent. But will it work better than when Bairstow was opening with Roy? Yeah. That is my point. And will it have an adverse effect on Johnny? And I don't know, but there was no... He could have promoted Butler to three without the chance of it upsetting anybody, couldn't it? Yeah. Or upsetting the rhythm. So, But anyhow, that's just a point I made. And the other point I liked when I was watching the matches was Owen Morgan fronting up being honest that he should have won well, that 2020. Was it the second one? It was we uh, the, the, fir the, the first, first one. one. Yeah. Well, I, was, I, I like I'm watching that. And the last ball, the penultimate over, he's trying to get it out of the park and holds out. We needed we needed seven off seven balls. That's a runner ball. My mum could have done that with my auntie. You know, they could have had two double whiskies and still done that runner ball in 2020, <laughs> couldn't it? Yeah. And now Tony, let me tell you, he was a very good player. He'd have done it easily with two balls to spare. I mean, to hit the last ball for a single, then he's on strike. I mean, that's not rocket science. Every single cricket lover who's listened to this podcast has probably played cricket at school, played club cricket, and knows, hang on, seven off seven, and the best player who's in just hits a single, he's taking strike with six ball. What? The game's in the bag, isn't it? Yeah. And it, it, it was so easy in the modern era with flat, good pitches, big bats. He batted well, and then he copped up trying for a big shot. But as out. you said, he fr he fronted up, and that's the kind of... This is yeah. the thing... I having... like that. No, no, I like that. I take the, the minus where he copped up, but I like the fact, that's what I'm saying, I like the fact, well done to him for fronting up and saying, not trying to pass the book and make an excuse. If you're honest with yourself... And if you don't make excuses, I think individually and collectively, you can always improve. And they did that by winning well in the third 2020. And I think, and, and Jeffrey, I've come, I've done a lot of interviews with Owen Morgan. I do love speaking to him. Ever since he became captain back in 2015 in that disastrous World Cup in, in, in Australia, oh, where, oh, where oh, he was oh, sort oh. of pushed into the job, or not pushed into the job, that's not right. When he was given the job, when Alistair Cook was, was dropped out of the squad. Every single interview I've done with Owen Morgan, he has been like that. He has fronted up, he has been honest, he's been straight, and has really grown into that sort of section of um, dealing with the media and speaking to them. And 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 you know what? You you never mind that, do you? You never no, mind that. You know, I said in Australia, I mean, they were awful, and and he was poor. He, he was batting at four, and I thought at that time. That time, he was one position too high, and, and I said so, and uh, he didn't like it. He thinks I don't like him, I don't. I've just said, no, I like the fact he fronts up. It's what I see is what I say. And for me, so the third 2020 as well, they played well. The England bowling is okay. It's not special, but the batting lineup looks very, very strong. It really does, doesn't yeah. it? And T20 on the whole, not always, but T20 is a batting game. Flat pitches, short boundaries, big bats hit it miles out of the park. It's a batting game. And the, the other thing that come to me when I was watching the 2020 and seeing how good we are batting, I thought, Alex Hales, what's become of him? Will he become available 
He's a superb one-day batsman. Had a good and season for Sydney Thunder in the Big Bash League. And I saw England captain, young Morgan, talking as if he doesn't want Alex Hales back in the team. And I went, wow, why? What has he done? You know, he hasn't committed a murder. He hasn't done a bank robbery. You know, he hasn't. what he's done, he took drugs. Can't defend that. Nobody, none of us will defend that. It was stupid putting his career in jeopardy, but he's been punished. That was April 2019, wasn't he? He got a three-week suspension. That's right, ahead of that England-Ireland game, yeah. I can't remember the day, but somewhere about April, yeah, you can call him stupid, call him all the names. But listen, we've all made mistakes, plenty of them. We're human beings, you know, we all make them, me included. And, you know, we deserve a second chance. Anybody listening out there who hasn't made a mistake, and as I say, let's keep it in perspective what he's done wrong. If a guy does the same mistake a second time, then you may consider, we don't need this, forget him. Look, he broke my one-day final record in 218, didn't he? In 1965, I want to say this, I got 146 for Yorkshire versus Surrey. The game started half hour late because the covering was rubbish. The pitch was wet through. Brian Close said, we make 170, we walk the match. We made 300 not, and I got 146. Now, he broke that, stood for 50 years that. He broke that with 187 in July 17. He's a fantastic player. So I'm saying that not because to blow my own trumpet, to show you that, hang on, I'm not anti him, just he broke my record. So, you know, for me, talent is what matters. Any player who may be able to help the team with quality, I want him in. You don't have to like him. You don't have to go out for dinner with him or drink with him after the match. You know, what happens after the day's cricket is finished is no bearing on the cricket on the park. Pick your friends or your enemy if his skill helps you win. At night, you choose to go out with your friends. The two are separate issues. Alex Hales is 31 years old. He's very talented. I don't know him. I don't think I've ever met him. I've seen him, but obviously that's why I'm talking about yeah. him, my professional skill of watching people and knowledge, but I don't know the lad and I'm not pulling for him. But if there is something else that affects the team dynamic, then that should be told out there for everyone. We should all know, hang on, he affects the team dynamic in some way. Whoa, then tell us, because that is important. That is that is very important about why you don't select somebody. But his ability is good enough to get back in the side. And I'll Where say, does he, he, made a, he made a mistake. Absolutely made a mistake. We've all done it. But Jeffrey, but where you, does he bat? You, you that's mentioned not about for me the, to decide. He bats I mean, in the top. You know, where you talked about the strength of England's batting line, and it is. I, I go through that order of Roy and Butler and Bairstow and Stokes Fine. and Morgan, well, and, and where does he go? Hey, hang on. Maybe he doesn't get in the side immediately just like that, but you should pick him in the squad. <laughs> give over. I've seen these other players, they try and give us a break. Some of them, they're not be as good as, you know, Hales could play better on one leg. I've seen some of the new guys. Listen, you've got to pick him in the squad and then you say, hang on, he has to wait for an opportunity and so forth. But you can't not pick him in the squad. That's not fair. From uh, the T20 International Series, just to, I'm just going to take it on a slight tangent because after that match, 
uh, England were fined twenty percent of their match fee for uh, failing to bowl the over rates. Now this is a this is a hot topic of mine, and I don't want to bore everybody with it. I don't know if it is with you, Jeffrey, but over rates in cricket. The whole point of T Twenty cricket was supposed to be. Uh, sort of a, a swift game, a game that is done in three hours. It, it used to be an hour and 15 minutes where you used to have to get your overs in. And I think now you've seen T20 games take up to four hours uh, to, to get done. I can't stick it. That's why the 100, or one of the reasons why the 100 has been made the way it is for a more swift game. But this is this is astonishing. Slow over rates in T20 cricket. It it's it, it really does it, it grinds my gears. I don't know. Well, if, it, and it in test cricket the more and more. It cheats the public. I agree. The, 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 look, our way of life has changed over the last fifteen years with mobile phones, internet. We want everything quicker, fast, so forth. And it's same in golf. They're all playing up, about, playing hell up about slow golfers, aren't they? Yeah. It's hurting the game, and it's bad administration. Really, the administrators could stop it tomorrow if you'd have said to England, "Listen." Halfway through the road, if you don't hurry up and speed up, you're going to get fined 10 runs and over. Yes, yes. Then you'd have lost the game, wouldn't you? Maybe. Correct. Then you, you can't afford to lose a game. But when you find them, you're only filing their salary and they get bonuses for winning and everything. So they're not bothered. They earn that much money these days. They really couldn't care less. The it, only it, way to hit them is, is, is on is the scoreboard. Sure. In that match that they're playing, not a match afterwards, in that match that they're playing, hurt them there. Make it so they can lose the game. Get on with it. Nobody thinks about the public anymore. The administrators only think about money. I keep telling you that. As long as they're getting the cash in, television particularly, sponsors, you're paying at the gate, they're not worried. And they're, they're failing in their duty. I mean, I'm going to the domestic level here, but there's a lot of seven o'clock starts uh, for T20 cricket domestically in this country. Now, I'm not going to take my... 10-year-old to a seven o'clock game of cricket if it finishes at 11. Now, I'm sorry, that's that. I mean, other parents might want to do that. That's just my choice. But if it is going to take that amount of time, the whole idea was to get kids and families coming to watch that form of cricket. And when things are taking too long, now don't start me on the overrates in test cricket, but... No, we'll do that another time. We'll do that another... But but from that perspective, I just think it's something that really the, the, the boards, the ICC, need to start properly clamping down because the people that are getting shortchanged are the paying members of the public who are watching these games. The other thing about the cricket I saw from the bowling aspect, I can see they're trying to find somebody to replace Plunky. Plunkett was brilliant in the middle overs. He it got was, wickets. Yeah. And we haven't really got anybody like that. They're trying to find somebody. I think Adil Rashid and Moin Ali bowling together is good. If yes. Radil Rashid is over his shoulder injury and can bowl free of pain or discomfort, he's a huge plus. Because once you start bowling top spinners and googlies, you have to come right over, rip your shoulder. And if there's any pain or discomfort, you're not going to drop it well. Now, he needs to drop it well. And trying to whack wrist spinners in one-day cricket or bowling in the middle where you're trying to whack them and there's a mixture of all sorts and varieties and variations. If, they, if you don't read them, then you're liable to be trying to hit it and go straight up in the air with the miss it and it gets wickets. So that's a huge plus. So I hope he's going to stay fit for when the November World 2020 comes along. Um, if you bowl a wrist spinner and he bowls tripe, half trackers, full tossers, then it's easy. But once he bowls the length with a different lot of varieties, a lot of people, you know, 
even good strikers of the ball don't read the wrist spinner. And that's why he's a key bowler. And I saw the opening um, opening with Moen off spin. I suppose it's worth a try, not bad. But it's not special. It was done first by mighty Martin Crowe, a captain of New Zealand, in the World Cup when it was 50 overs. Was it 1992 in Dipak, Australia, New Zealand? Who, was, it, was it Deepak Patel? Deepak Patel Dipak from Patel. Worcester. Yeah. And Martin had a wonderful cricket brain. I knew him quite a bit. Excellent batsman, but a wonderful cricket brain. I played golf with him in New Zealand. I played with him. He practiced with him. He came to bowl at me in the nets. I know his brother, Jeff. And he got Deepak Patel, and he also got the left-hander, Mark Greatbratch, up front to be a pinch hitter. He's one of the first to try and attack the new ball with the fielders up. It caught teams off guard. It was new, it was different. Both types of thing, bowling the off-spinner early, pinch hitter early on. The trouble is, it's usually the first people who think of something that's innovative that succeeds. After that, it's imitation, and there is no surprise. The surprise is gone. And surprise is a big element of something new. And also, bowling mowing up front, it wasn't a success, it wasn't a failure. It was okay. But now there are big bats, huge bats. They miss it for six, and pure hits go 10 or 15 rows back. So, and it's not as easy to bowl spin with the new ball. And grippy, your fingers slip. And so it's... A ploy that England tried, nothing wrong with that. It's we wait and see whether it's going to be the conditions also play success. a part, don't they? The conditions, the conditions play. These were good batting decks. There was a lot, and you're also altitude on relatively smallish grounds. So, as you mentioned, those, you know, the the mishits will travel that little bit further. They'll they'll you know produce those few yeah. more runs, and they sort of scorch, cut very low the outfield. So batsmen get you know full vault. I think you should assess value. the opposition batsmen as well. How you think they play spin? There are some opening batsmen like. The the ball coming onto them. They're not an all-round player that they're adept at playing the slower bowlers. So I think you should just, I mean, you bowl the slower bowlers early on, late on, any time to that Roy and he's going to try and smack you out of the park yeah. and he's not going to do it once. He's going to do it like he did to the New Zealand, the Australians in the semi-final. He's going to try every ball out of the park and probably succeed as well. I've, I, so, do you know what? I don't I don't have a, a massive issue with with the England bowling at the moment. I think Moen and Adil have been doing it a long time and in, in, white, in any form of white ball cricket, they're very good. I've watched a lot of Tom Curran, I have, and I've watched him domestically for Surrey. I've watched him a lot for the Sydney Thunder. Um, sorry, the Sydney Sixers over in the uh, Big Bash League. And he has been one of their standout players with his varieties, his range of slower pace deliveries, his, his cutters and his, his Yorkers at the death. I think Chris Jordan as well, as a death bowler, Last couple of overs, I think he is devastating in whichever format of cricket it might be. Remember, of course, England will be hoping to have Joffrey Archer fit as well uh, for for the November T20 World Cup. So with yeah, that to Mark Wood, Moeen, Tom Curran, Adil Rashid, Chris Jordan, and you've got Ben Stokes. I think the stocks are pretty reasonable there uh, for, um, for England. Okay, that's England done for the moment. Just just as a final thought, cricketing-wise at the moment, uh, Jeffrey, and this is not specific to the um, to the actual series that's taking place, but just want to talk a bit about preparation 
because India are over in New Zealand at the moment and they've just been spanked at the Wellington, at the Basin Reserve in, in Wellington by New Zealand. Greenish looking pitch, uh, India undone for, for less than 200 in both of their innings. But India have been, uh, been playing a lot of cricket. It is rare now in test cricket that, and I don't know what the answer is, I don't know if you have one, but it is rare in test cricket to get a side coming over and beating a, a side on that own patch. India did it a year ago over in Australia. England have just done it in South Africa. England now go to Sri Lanka with not a huge amount of preparation, given the the um, you know conditions will be so different from South Africa to the subcontinent. I just wonder, you know, India won't have had a huge amount of preparation, some T20s, some one-day internationals, and then they're into test cricket. You know... Going back in time, there was a lot more preparation. Is this something that does need to be to be looked at for, for sides to try and get used to conditions? What sort of preparation did you go on an Ashes tour or a subcontinental tour? We've I've seen this over many years, and you can talk to administrators and players. The players don't like to be away so long that they play too much cricket. Far too much cricket, but there's a lot of money involved and they don't want to be paid less. Uh, the administrators don't want to earn less, so they want more and more matches, which earns more and more television money and sponsorship money. So yeah. it's all about money, but ideally, you'd like more preparation. Preparation is the thing. Look, to be a, a great player, you should be a player who could play on everything, all types, turning pitches, green pitches, the ball swings, see early, play it late. All kinds of things I could talk about, but it's very hard for players now. I do understand that they have to play so much. I mean, mm. one of the best preparation tours I went on was 70-71 to Australia with Raymond Illingworth as captain. And we started with, I don't know, about four days of nets in Adelaide. And we had four four-day state matches before the first test, going from South Australia, Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland. We not only had four four-day matches played properly over two innings, not now England have a practice match and there's 15 players and on and off and it is just like kids playing in the park, isn't it? It's, mm. it's not really competitive. And on top of that, we had four one-day matches as well. Not the one days of now 50 overs, just a one day we used to fly up country New South Wales country districts, Queensland country districts, Victorian country districts, and South Australia country districts. So we had 20 days of cricket. Wow. Now, 20 days of highly competitive. You cannot go in the States in Australia and not be highly competitive. On those surfaces as well. Yeah. I remember once in the, <laughs> the commentary box with Richie Benno. Amazing man. I loved him. Dry. Didn't use extraneous words. I said... Uh, Something about, uh, we, did, we played this and that, and then we played, we played a friendly. And Richie turned around slowly. He said, friendly, Jeffrey. <laughs> we don't have such things in Australia. <laughs> That's Richie, isn't it? Dry and to the point. Friendly? No. <laughs> they don't do friendly You can imagine his face as he says it yeah. as well. <laughs> you have to laugh because that's pure Richie, isn't it? Yeah. And, and what you got is 20 highly competitive matches. 20 days of it. And that's what makes you battle-hardened, ready for a test match series. That's not going to happen anymore because we didn't have five one-dayers, <laughs> three 2020s yeah, on yeah. top of it. And then when they've played in 
Australia, they come home, they've got to go to somewhere else and play, haven't they? We, we didn't have that. It's just too full now. Ideally, it's preparation that helps you get ready for a, the ball coming off in a different way. Yeah. If you yeah. can prepare properly, you can handle it. If you're a top player, that's what you're supposed to adapt and handle it. But preparation is the key to everything. Look at that heavyweight fight. That Deontay Wilder comes in with a costume because he loves himself and all the adulation. It was and 40 pounds, wasn't it? It was in 40 two stone. pounds. <laughs> Can you imagine climbing up a hill with 40 pounds That's three on stone, isn't it? Or something like that. I don't know I've my been conversions. by the time I got about 300 <laughs> yards. And he's trying to fight for the world championship. I'm going to be wrong in your head, haven't you? You have to be. Tell you what. I would have been, I would have been happier coming in like Tyson Fury did on a throne. It's a bit of Patsy Cline. That was that was an interesting move. It worked out well for him though, didn't it? Anyway, uh, we shall we shall move swiftly on because it is a problem that can't get sorted. I totally it may be an unfair question because it, 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 I just wanted to know what what you went through back back in time with preparation as opposed to what test sides are dealing with now. And look. No one expects Test cricket to be anything other than hard when you're going away from home. But like I say, or from, from it's my a perspective... It's test of whether you can adapt, but you do need the conditions and the time. I think in my last tour to India, to one two, we had three four-day matches. And I remember telling Keith Fletcher at net practice in Bombay, I said, look, it's not enough. He said, well, I want to give everybody a, a fair chance. I said, Keith... We can't give 16 players all a chance to play the first test because it means the main test players are going to play are only going to get two matches. And two matches is not enough. What happens if you get out to a good bowler or a bad decision? You've hardly got any cricket. Yeah. And you're going to play India in their own country on their own pitches when they turned. They're bloody good, let me tell you. They've always been good. And he said, uh, well, he gave me two matches. He gave Gucci two matches. We lost the first test easily, and then we drew, they drew the rest. It's preparation that allows you to get ready. It really is preparation, and it's not going to happen anymore. No, it's not. You can't. It's not. Well, let's move on then, Jeffrey. Now, in the forthcoming episodes, in our forthcoming podcast, we are going to get some guests on. We're we going to get some guests on. So um, I want you to, if you will, Jeffrey, make a list. We're going to try and get Vaughn on. We'll try and get Michael Vaughn on. Oh, but, Michael's uh, good. We have a laugh, Michael. Oh, he's, well, he's laugh a gem. He's, a, uh, he's an absolute gem. And we'll, we'll try and get a variety of uh, guests on over the course of the uh, subsequent podcast. But we're going to, I want you to make a list, Jeffrey. You know, someone like Gary Lineker. I love Gary Lineker. He loves his cricket. Let's get Gary Lineker on. Oh, yeah, he was a good player in the, back in the day. Was Gary? Ooh. Oh, yeah, Gary Neville was. I played with him. I played with Gary yeah, Neville and Phil Neville. Get them on the podcast. We're calling all of them out. We're calling them all out. Come on. So Jeffrey Boycott's Corridor of Certainty podcast. And that'd be good. It'd be good fun to have some guests on, wouldn't it? Do you think Solskjaer will come on from Man United? Uh, uh, <laughs> let, let me put a call into his people, Jeffrey. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I ask him some questions. Oh my I'm, god! I'm sure you would. Would I'm sure he would. That would be the perfect interview for Oli Gunnar Solskjaer <laughs> to come on the Corridor of Certainty podcast. That would be absolutely oh. amazing. So over the course of that's what's going to be happening. We're also going to start 
uh, a mailbag for, for Sir Jeffrey. So any questions that you would like to get in, we'll use the power of social media as well. So any questions you would like to get in over the course of the subsequent weeks, please feel free to do so. If you've always had that burning question you've wanted to ask Jeffrey Boycott, then tweet myself, Charles Dagnall, at Charles Dagnall. You can tweet Jeffrey at Jeffrey Boycott or Gospel Productions, and they are at and that's gospel, and we'll ask those questions to Jeffrey Boycott on your behalf uh, in a later podcast recording. By the way, I did throw out, Sir Jeffrey, a couple of um, uh, you know, if anyone wants to ask you a, a couple of questions this week, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw two at you. These are these are fun, and I like these. Um, so, starting with Sir Dan of C, Sir Jeffrey, we know that you rated Michael Holding as the quickest you faced. But who do you think is the fastest bowler you never faced? Purely from watching on, uh, usually in the commentary box, I would imagine. Is the one you would have liked to have had a, a test about? Yes, definitely. Go on. Harold Larwood. Harold Larwood, you see the black and white film and the wicketkeeper and slips a miles back. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a little fella. And you look, I mean, that's what I look at. I look how far they're back and how far the carry is. And I go, wow. And I go, I've read all the body line stuff of uh, Jardy, different people. And I go, hmm. And not only was he so quick, but he's so accurate to bowl into the ribs, into the body. Yeah. And if to have played in that era where what people don't realise, it's not just the pace and accuracy he bowled, but the rules at the time, you could have unlimited fielders on the leg side That's and right. behind Which square. Which brought in the rule after the body line series. The leg Correct. Side rule. And most people don't realise that. If you bowl in very fast, accurate at the ribs, and you can have three men behind square, and you have two or three in front catching, you can have a man out at fine leg, a man out... Mid-wicket, mid-on. Wow. I mean, I don't know where you score. If you are that fast and accurate, I go, what a thing that Jardine dreamed up, an idea. Within the rules. Well, change the face of the game. It was brilliant. A brilliant concept by a brilliant captain who had a brilliant bowler to back it up. And, well, it cut Bradman down to size. The great man, the great run getter of all time, scoring nearly 100 runs an inning. She couldn't beat Australia with him batting and then cut him down to 50. It actually shows how good Bradman yeah, was compared with yeah. the others, but it also shows how difficult, God, difficult he was. I'd have loved to have a go at it, but there's one thing I would have been, I'd have definitely been wearing a chest pad. <laughs> I was going to say. I wouldn't, have been wearing, I wouldn't have been bothered about the helmet. I hardly ever got it on there. But the chest pad where he's aiming... And all those feelers at short leg and behind, definitely that would be the first first thing I put on before I put my box on. <laughs> oh, you would have had, like, say, a, a range of encyclopedias down the, the thigh guard and probably the chest and, and, and what was available, thick books at the time. What about it? What about my... And I tried to get an advert from Mitchell and Tyus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you and me both. I mean, skiddy and fast and accurate. Yeah, he's the one I would like to have challenged. What, what about challenge. What about modern... Uh, I say modern bowlers, but an Akram or a, a Lee or no. a... No, no, no. Only one bowler. Well, there's plenty, but one really. That stands out. I told him, actually. I told him to his face a couple of times. He's really? always very nice with me. I never played against him. Shane Warne. Ah. Oh. I said, Shane, I said, 
just talking nicely to him. I wasn't being bombastic or arrogant. I said, I'd love to have faced Would you, Jeffrey? I said, yeah, I think you would have been a, a very, very tough challenge. You were a brilliant bowler. The concept, before he hurt his shoulder, when he could bowl, um, he could bowl everything then, the flipper so well. But once, once he hurt his shoulder a bit, the flipper mm, went out of his armoury, shall we say. But you still had to face his leggy. Yeah, well, all this other stuff. But when he had everything, the flipper, the top spinner, the leg spinner, the googly, wow, you better read it. He dropped it so brilliantly, I told him. I said, it would have been one hell of a challenge. It had been, for me, batting was a challenge. It was, it was scoring runs, but it's a challenge. It'd be like, I'm climbing Mount Everest facing you. I said, and for me, it's, could I do it? Could I do it? I'd like to, you know, you might get out, but if you do it, it's like, planting the flag at the top, the ultimate. And he, he would have been the, the modern bowler I'd love to have had the challenge of, and he was a fantastic bowler. Great question. Uh, I'll give you another one as well. Richard Wells has asked all the young lads at our club nets just want to smash every ball. In your youth, were you unusual in wanting to get your defence right first, or was that the way that everyone played back in the day? And I can see this. Everyone good wants, question. It is a mm. really good question, because I remember going back to my youth. Who did we want to be? Ian Botham. We wanted to, you know, who lofted the ball over the top and, and played yeah. with such flair and flourish. And kids now want to see, you know, like a Johnny Bester or a Joss Butler or, um, you know, a player such as that. You know, when you were, you know, how would you, it's a difficult one. You want to get them engaged in the game, but. No, you, you were taught technically correct because the difference was the pitches. They were uncovered. So although you might have a number of days in England, which we do when the weather is good and pitch is rolled and you batted on a good pitch. Yeah, we did sometimes. Because of the vagaries of the weather, of quite a lot of rain around, even in our summer, and it rained on the pitches, you got all kinds of wet pitches, wet turners, dry turners. We played a lot of club grounds as well. People don't realise that counties like Essex, Kent, Yorkshire, played on about eight, eight grounds, and they were all club grounds. We didn't have professional staff looking after them, like Headingley's our main ground now at Yorkshire. You, you, you played at Hull, you played at Barnsley, you played at Sheffield. I mean, you played at Harrogate, Scarborough, I mean, Huddersfield, all kinds of club grounds. So they weren't as well prepared as they are today, so they seem, they turn, all kinds of things. Then it rained on them overnight, so they did all kinds of things, and the the first thing you were taught is to be able to stay in, protect your stumps, because if you didn't stay in, you weren't going to score any runs, were you? Never mind all those good shots you could play. You can't play them in the dressing room. So everybody was taught that way. There was no one-day cricket. Nobody, if you tried to hit it over the top, often when you were growing up and being coached, they say, hey, lad, keep it on the floor. You can't get out there. Different way. Yeah. Good question. Really good question. Keep them coming in, and we will uh, we'll sift through the week's questions for you. As I mentioned, get in touch with me, at Charles Dagnall. Get in touch with Jeffrey, at Jeffrey Boycott, uh, or Gospel Productions, and That's Gospel on Twitter. And we'll uh, sift through those and ask Jeffrey a couple each week. Well, there we have it. Episode 3 is in the can. Episode 4 will be out before too 
long. If you do want to get in touch with the Corridor of Certainty podcast, please do so via the Twitter handles that I've mentioned throughout the course of the podcast. Uh, and we thank you so much for downloading these podcasts. They're on the up and up. Uh, and if you are not yet downloading, tell your friends, leave us a review, please do so, and uh, hit the subscribe button uh, however you download your podcast. Until next time, thanks so much for listening. We look forward to your company again. Thank you.